For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. 11 minutes past nine. Good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show. Neil taking a, a quick break pre-Christmas before he comes back uh, to uh, ring in the uh, Christmas season and New Year with uh, everybody in Cork. But uh, I'm here for a week and Neil is back on next Monday morning. So no need for alarm. Uh, revamp plan for flats uh, is the... Main headline on the Echoes front page today. There's talks uh, about to be undertaken shortly with Noonan's Road tenants. Tenants living in city council-owned flats, which residents uh, had previously described as abandoned by the local authority, will be consulted in the new year about redevelopment proposals for the site. Independent councillor Mick Finn said councillors were recently informed that the redevelopment of the Noonan's Road flats are currently at feasibility stage and that discussions with the residents will take place early next year. Check it out front of the Echo. New York-style lofts plan for Cork refused. Green Party councillor calls for more flexibility in the planning system. Plans to develop New York loft-style apartments in a landmark vacant building on Cork's main street have been shot down, prompting calls for more flexibility in the planning system. Owen English reporting in the Examiner that city planners refused a grant of planning to Majorfield Limited for three studio apartments in the striking St. Patrick's buildings on the corner of St. Patrick's Street and the Grand Parade. They said the floor floor space was too small and did not meet the minimum required standards for a studio apartment. It's beyond the remit of the Planning Authority to recommend a grant of permission in this instance as the units appear deficient on practically all aspects of the design standards. And it's considered to apply flexibility across the board would set an undesirable precedent and would fail to provide an acceptable living environment for future residents. I'm sure somebody would be happy with it and with its proximity to all the city centre has to offer. But there you go, rules are rules, I guess. There's been concerns as well over crime and safety following the recent riots and it's exposed in an opinion poll uh, on today's Daily Mail. Over half of Dubliners are reluctant to visit the city centre. Uh, I wonder what that figure is in Cork. Would it be a quarter? Would it be 10%? Uh, your calls and comments welcome on that. But more than half of people living in Dublin are reluctant to visit the city centre after recent riots there, an Irish Daily Mail poll has revealed. A total of 56% of those polled say they are visiting the city centre less often or have stopped visiting completely because of concerns about crime and safety compared to 40% of all adults throughout Ireland. It rises to a worrying 85% from people outside Dublin who want to commute in less for work because uh, the recent trouble which was beamed worldwide and led to travel warnings being issued by the American, Australian and British governments. 31% of Dubliners say the headlines have made no difference to them. And uh, finally, um, the Sun is uh, putting attention where I believe it should have been a little more uh, over the last 10 days or so. Stabbed girl of five still here with us the mum of Parnell Square's victims vigil. It's been all about the politics it's been all about the vote of no confidence and very little about how are the victims doing Uh, a young child and her carer the victim of a uh, scurrilous knife attack but the young girl critically injured in the Dublin school stabbings is still here with us her mum has said. She said the five-year-old has shown incredible strength after last month's Parnell Square knife horror. The hopeful mother added, we don't know yet what lies ahead. It's still early, 
but she is resilient and limitations will not stop her. More attention on the young girl who is the victim, please. That's just my personal opinion. Shane Funeral is going to be open to the public. Uh, the President, Bono and Johnny Depp are to be among mourners. Now, I hope this doesn't draw uh, crowds that can't be catered for. It's uh, certainly going to be jammed, though. Shane McGowan's public funeral will take place near his childhood home in Nina County Tipperary on Friday, it's been revealed. And shouldn't all the radio stations in Ireland be playing Fairy Tale of New York at 12 or in the run-up to 12? Certainly what I'd suggest. Fans are expected to line the streets of the town to pay their last respects as the Mass, which will take place at Our Lady of Lourdes Church in Silvermines, is open to the public. Shane, 65, suffered from periods of ill health and passed away on Thursday. He'd been battling viral encephalitis but was uh, released from hospital last week. Frontman for the Pogues, of course, who came out of uh, uh, squat-ridden London in the early 80s. He'd spent five months in St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin. President Bono and Johnny Depp are to be among the mourners. Will there be a Christmas fairy tale at last? Says the mail, going back to that story. Despite being the most played Christmas song in Britain this century, the Pogues fairy tale of New York has never reached number one in the British charts. If I remember correctly, it was the Pet Shop Boys that kept them off the top spot with a cover um, which one was it? Was it Suspicious Minds or something like that? Anyway, now family and friends and fans have joined a campaign to push it to the stop, uh, top spot for Christmas this year on what would have been uh, Shane McGowan's 66th birthday. It'd be a lovely birthday present for him. Um, the punk rocker's death, not a punk rocker, uh, punk rocker's death was last Thursday has kick-started a renewed campaign to rectify his disappointment at never hitting number one in the UK uh, in McGowan's memory, as well as to honour the late Kirsty McCall, who sang the 1987 hit with him. And early sales and downloads suggest the song is well on its way to finally achieving the feat. I guess you don't have to release uh, product anymore now because it's all uh, bought and consumed and streamed online. So that might be uh, Christmas number one. The song reached number one in the Irish charts when it was first released 36 years ago. And... Uh, I know that uh, McGowan had come and grown to hate the song uh, over recent years and uh, I guess it was a big uh, Christmas bonus from every year getting the royalties in and uh, let's not forget there was a co-writer that nobody really knows he can walk down the street and he wouldn't be asked for an autograph Jemser and Jim Finer uh, who co-wrote the song is also uh, quids in I'd say on the royalties every year Molly walks this week dad and daughter due for release just one month after return to jail. Molly Martins and her dad are to be freed from prison this week, just a month after they were jailed for the manslaughter of Jason Corbett. Check it out on the front of the mirror. The Irish Independent has as its main story the cost of a GP visit differs by €50, depending on location. Some private patients are paying almost €50 more to see their family doctor than those in other parts of the country, with prices highest in Dublin. A new survey reveals how one in six are paying between €26 and €50 to see their GP, while over a third are paying between €51 and €75, with prices highest in the capital. Some 2% are charged over €75. That could be for consultants, maybe, but almost half of patients in Dublin pay more than €50. €60 now, most places in Cork, I think. Uh, That's the Irish Independent today. Going back to the star, drugs and weapons among seized mail. The Revenue have found thousands of items sent via the post. 
The Revenue Commissioner sees tens of thousands of items sent through the post over the last year, including weapons, ammunition, tobacco, drugs and fake medicinal products. A detailed breakdown of seizures shows that more than 92,000 smuggled cigarettes were intercepted last year, along with almost another thousand uh, that were unstamped and went in the mail. There was also over 216 kilos of narcotics stopped at the Dublin Parcel Hub, as well as 5.8 litres of illegal drugs in liquid form. And the Revenue Commissioner said nearly 2,200 weapons, including knives and other items, were seized along with three pieces of ammunition. Cork Electric Vehicle sales are up 53% this year. The Society of the Irish Motor Industry says a new vehicle registration statistics for November and uh, uh, 2023 uh, to date show an increase in the percentage of electric vehicles and hybrids that have been sold. In Cork, there were 13,790 registrations of new vehicles from January to November. Nationally, new car registrations for the month of November down 4% when compared to last year. Still don't get the uh, the EV thing myself, not the full EV. I can understand that a hybrid uh, generates energy from the brakes and all that kind of thing. But having a full-on electric vehicle being charged by electricity produced by fossil fuels just baffling to me. Uh, finally for now, actually I've got a couple more things I need to get to. Yeah, one second. Uh, is Bewley's milking it by charging €8.40 for a hot chocolate? Baby, it's cold outside, so a warm drink is on the menu. But if you happen to pop into one of Dublin's most loved institutions, be prepared to fork out a pretty penny for a cup of hot chocolate. While no one likes to be a Scrooge at Christmas, the €8.40 price tag on the toasty beverage in Bewley's of Grafton Street will have some customers wailing bah humbug, 840 for a cup of hot chocolate. The cafe is a magnet for shivering Christmas shoppers. Probably the best located uh, cafe in the country. It has such footfall uh, walking past up and down that uh, pedestrianised street. Uh, but a seasonal sweet treat will come at a high price. 840 for a cup of hot chocolate. And finally, for now, Cork Bio uh, have a story. We all know that the uh, what the story is at Christmas time. A box of biscuits gets bought around October and is left untouched in the pantry uh, or under the stairs or whatever until strict orders, uh, not, uh, under strict orders not to be opened for weeks on end. Other people stockpile their Coca-Cola and Fanta and Sprite and all that kind of thing. Don't touch that till Christmas. Uh, while usually this, this is done to preserve the precious treats for guests during the festive season, Gardy in Formoy found something a little more nefarious hidden inside one of these tins. During their search of a property in Formoy, a member of Angarda Shiakana, presumably one who was having trouble with their uniform and was looking for, for sewing supplies, uncovered a tin of Jacob's USA biscuits filled to the brim with bags of cannabis. In total, more than 8,000 worth of the illegal substance was seized by Gardaí during the search and one man has been arrested with a court date to follow. Uh, we have a picture of that. I'm not sure if we can get it up on our social media. It's rammed to the rafters uh, with bags of cannabis. Uh, that is the uh, morning papers. The voice of Cork, Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday, Cork's Red FM. And it's Mick Mulcahy here until next Monday as Neil takes a break. Let's go to line one and to the business of the day. And good morning to you, Chloe. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Now, your seven-year-old autistic son, Christopher, has been sitting at home for the last five weeks with no school. Tell, yeah, us, tell us the story, please. Now at home. 
Um, so he's in an autistic unit on a mainstream school. So okay. this would have been his third year. He was going into first class this year and when he went back this year, it seemed like everything kind of changed in the school. There was like a new person, you know, in there running it. So that was fine. And nine times this year, he was actually sent home early in the morning time for his behaviour because they couldn't deal with his behaviours. Okay, Let, let's um, let's not mention the particular school, but uh, okay. what has changed? If he if he was attending with no incidents for you know coming up on on three yeah. full years, what, yeah. what, what what in your opinion has changed? They so the person running the school was actually out on a leave, a twelve month leave, so she was gone all last year, and he had all the behaviours last year. No, he wouldn't have had them the first year he was there because he was only small. So then last year he had all the same behaviours and then this year she actually came back. So that's when everything completely changed. It's like the rules changed in the school. And I was actually told as well, if she was there last year, like he would have been sent home okay. last year. And, you know. So he has he has complex issues behaviourally. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He would, like his, his behaviour would be hard to handle. But could be handled by an expert in situ. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I'm able to handle him at home, you know, and I'm not an expert in anything. And now for five weeks he's been at home with you. And yeah, the last time he was actually in school was just before the midterm. Um, he was out on the Monday and Tuesday, and I sent him in on the Wednesday. And I actually came to the thing where, like, I was like, I'm not collecting him early anymore. I was like, I don't agree with it. I've done it too long. Like, he was on a reduced timetable for six weeks. He was in school for two hours every single day. And we were meant to aim, like, for a full day in school. That's what we were aiming for, and we didn't get there. So I was like, look, I tried it. I said, like, I'm not collecting him early anymore. So I sent him in on the Wednesday morning, and uh, I think it was, like, ten minutes later, I got a phone call to say he was going to be suspended for three days that they'll see him after the midterm. Okay. How long since he was assessed? Um, he was three, so it was four years ago. And is, is a new assessment overdue, or is there yeah, one? Yeah, that's what my problem is. I'm trying to, because I do think he needs to be in a special school, and I'm going to the schools and they're telling me his report is too old. Okay, to, to get him into a special school, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs to be within kind of like the two year. Yeah, and, and if if you had this assessment as a mom, knowing him as well as you do, do you yeah. do you think he would be approved for special schooling rather than being in the mainstream? Um, I'm not a hundred percent. You know, I can't. I'm not a hundred percent sure whether he would or not. Yeah, in, in my limited knowledge uh, on your situation, I I, I have come to realise during this program that uh, structure is a huge element of uh, those who... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and, like, uh, I just think if he got the support and the help that he needed, you know, like, my, he's five weeks at home with me, not one person rang my phone to see why my son is not in school. Like, I'm ringing everybody. Like, I'm trying to get help, and nobody's ringing me for help. Do you get me? So where can you get help? Would that be the HSE? Would it be uh, COPE or what? It'd be, like, the scene or now, you know, of all his, like, of our area that we're in. And, like, I'm ringing her phone. I say, my people are, like, farting this call. And I can't even get, like, a phone call back off her. So where do you go from here? I think you're kind of at an impasse with the school, are you? I literally, I don't have no help. I don't know who, like, I don't know where to turn, like, you know, he's just at home every single day with me, like. What's his behaviour like at home? He, like, he'd be fine, like, obviously, you know, like, he'd little triggers and that would start him. 
But obviously, like I said to the school and they were saying they don't have the space or the resources to, like, regulate Christopher and to stop him from, you know, carrying on more, like, worse than what he is. Where I would at home, like, you know what, he knows when to, he'd go into the sit room, he'd calm down, where they're telling me they don't have the space to calm him down. Okay. And is any progress that you feel would have been made in the school and with that structure of going to into his peer group every day, uh, is, is that eroding now at home? Is he regressing? Yeah. 100%. So it's not getting any better? No, no, not at all. Okay, and is it your only child? No, I actually have a baby as well. He's um, He'll be two in February. Like, my baby's at crush every day and then my seven-year-old son is at home every day. It don't make sense to me at all. Uh, and I, I believe there's something about a Halloween party. He wasn't even allowed to attend that, was he? Yeah, they just um, before the midterm, and like, because he was suspended, like, I was bringing my, the crashes actually by the school, so mm. I was bringing my, he was in the car with me, and I was bringing my son to crash, and he was actually crying in the back of my car with a talk in his heart. He just couldn't understand why he wasn't let go in and dress up with all the other kids in the school. Okay. Um, just looking at some of the stats here from... Uh the Cork Kerry Healthcare. Uh, they're saying that Cork Kerry Community Healthcare deeply regrets any delays for children and their families awaiting initial contact with the Children's Disability Network team, the CDNT. Now, these were established across Ireland in recent years, uh, I believe, under the Progressing Disability Services Plan. Um, yeah. So, the aim and the ambition here is to increase access to disability services across the country. There are yeah. 11 teams in Cork. Um, and you still haven't had contact with uh, View to Getting an Assessment? No, I'm 13 months um, emailing the CDN team who's under my son and I asked them, before, like kind of last summer, I told them, I was like, you know, his, his behaviour was getting out of hand towards the last um, semester in school, so last year, and I kept asking them, I said, it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse, and I'm here I am now with no school, you know, for my son because they couldn't even get back onto me. Okay, and I know an, an official document has said, as well a spokesperson at least has said, uh, for regional health services, they're highlighting staff vacancy issues. And of course, uh, you're going to get this old chestnut, of course, they're blaming the impact of the ongoing HSC recruitment freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 869 children in Cork, apparently, waiting for initial contact from a CDNT at the end of September this year. 869? Yeah, and when my son, like, he was under um, a woman, and then just when all this kind of happened, I was trying to email him every day, and I just got an email saying she's gone on, like, a leave, so there's someone else filling her position, so I don't know, even know who he's under now anymore. Okay. Uh, obviously, your seven-year-old doesn't understand the concept of being suspended. No, 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 not at all. And, and that was probably why... There's absolutely, he has no, he's no clue why he's not allowed to attend a party. Yeah, you know, and he didn't understand. And I think, I know, like the way he's saying he don't want to go back to school and he's only seven, but I think a part of me, you know, for my son to be treated like that, like why would you want your son in that kind of school, you know, where he's been sent home for his behaviour? Yeah, so ma- mainstream schooling, if I can put it that way, you know, yeah, re- regular mainstream schooling. Uh, yeah. is, is probably not the place for him as as is evident by the fact that he's been suspended. That can't have been an easy decision for those running the school either but I, I guess they've got the other students uh, and, and their well-being and their ability to be educated to take into account. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. of course, your son 
uh, must feel the rejection of the institution and his class and uh, yeah. and, and probably blaming his classmates when they're completely blameless. Uh, but having that simmering feeling that um, this place doesn't like me, I can't go to the party, etc. Yeah, yeah. And autistic kids, like, you know, they do, like, you know, they hate having a change, you know, in their routine. And when he, like, I asked him at home, like, I was saying, why, like, why are you being sent home? And he was like, when he obviously knows when he acts up, they were ringing my phone straight away. Like, because he'd kind of have a meltdown and he'd say, ring my mum, ring my mum. Like, he knew they were going to ring me to take him home early. And, and, and is, that, is that the motive, do you think, for him act, acting up? I'm, I have enough of this, so I want to go home. Yeah, I'll act up and Mammy will collect me. Yeah, yeah 100%. I, I explained that to him. I said he's going to start clicking on that when he has a meltdown that Mammy's going to come and collect him. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. What sort of support do you have at home? Um, just myself. Sing, and my, single like, parents, my, yeah? my parents, My parents are very good to me. Like, like I'd be lost without them. I'm actually running my own business, so I'm trying to do all that and then be there for Christopher. Yeah. Just looking at some more of the stats here from the CDNT, it doesn't make, it makes very sobering reading. Uh, they said, we understand the difficulty and stress this can cause for children and their families, and we're working to address these delays. The average vacancy rate of 20.79% across all 14 CDNTs in Cork and Kerry, higher vacancy rates than others uh, and CDNT services in Cork are provided by Section 38 and Section 39 agencies. So the Section 38, there will be the Brothers of Charity Services and Cope Foundation. They're impacted yeah. by the uh, HSE <coughs> recruitment pause. And the Section 39 a- agencies are Coaction, Enable Ireland and St. Joseph's Foundation. Uh, they continue to run local recruitment campaigns on an ongoing basis and their final comment here was core community healthcare personnel continue to work with all stakeholders to ensure that vacant section 39 posts can be filled as quickly as possible they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're battling the, the lack of funding I suppose from the HSE and, and that recruitment pause yeah it's just so hard though I never in my life thought I'd, I'd have to come on to the radio to get help for my seven year old little time who, who can help you? I don't know <laughs> Surely, this is surely, unfair. like he's only seven. Like he, you know, he deserves an education, like every other child out there. Chloe, take t- take a breath and, and and try to relax a little bit and and stay listening because I want to bring in Tony here, uh, who's pretty much in the same situation. Hi, Tony. Oh, uh, uh, hi, Mick. How are you? You've a seven-year-old as well, have you? I uh, know uh, he's six. He's seven in March. Okay. Uh, look, I just said I'd bring in there because I. I got contacted by the CDNT last week in Cope and they said it's four years he's waiting now. Well, I kind of lost it on the phone with them last week and I said four years and they said they might be back to me sometime this week but I've been told that now for four years. It's a joke. Yeah, don't hold your breath like. Yeah. Do you know? Is he in mainstream school? He is, yeah. And he does quite well in school, do you know, but he needs the extra bit of help. No. The school he's in is brilliant and they go above and beyond for him, but it's just a joke, like, you know, I just wanted someone else to hear, to hear someone else's story, do you know? And, and does, uh, it's Charlie, is it? Does Charlie have an SNA? Charlie, yeah. Does he have an SNA uh, in the school? No, but because he needs a diagnosis, do you know, that, that he'll be awarded one, do you know, but no, yeah. the school don't help him. Do you so, know? So, so the, school, the school are very accommodating and, and, and try to help. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, there's only so much they can do when we're just waiting on an assessment and the COPE, the CDNT, seem to have no interest in giving anyone 
anyone help, you know, it just seems to be just taking a box there. Oh, we'll take this off the HSE, you know. I've asked him, can I go away and get the assessment privately? And could they pay for it or something, you know? Is that possible? Uh, I've heard of someone who got it done lately, but apparently it's a new thing they were trying, but then they just never get back to you. Let's let's try and get a costing on that, will we, Tony? Yeah, do. Yeah, you know, problem, just have all the information in front of us. How much will it cost to get this done privately? Yeah, no, but that's not the problem. Is that you need it from the HSE so that then they'll be able to fund the. So it has yeah. to be like through HSE the diagnosis. Yeah, so, so, that so, way, so, so they can assist fund. in funding the solution. Yeah. Okay. So your initial assessment was years ago. You've heard nothing back since. Uh, yeah. Ch- Charlie is in mainstream school. Behaviourally, he's pretty good. He must be, is he? Oh, yeah, he's good. He's, he's, he's just autistic, like, you know? Yeah. He's not very bad, like, you know? Okay. Just looking up assessment costs here from the Adult and Child Therapy Centre in Dublin. Guess how much a full autism assessment for children zero to seven years is? Couldn't tell you. 1,500, 2,000? Yeah, 1,850. Yeah. Uh, full, full autism assessment, which requires dyslexia testing, 2,150. Uh, if you require ADHD screening, 2,150. Uh, psychological assessment, which will include, include behavioural screening, 950. And development assessment for under threes is 1,000. Yeah, so you're talking 10 grand there, like. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, I suppose, if, if you want to. Sure, surely the first assessment <coughs> would guide you as to which one of those costly assessments you would be going for. But who, who, yeah. who, who can afford that? Uh, especially not, yeah. uh, not Chloe, a single mum, I'd, I'd venture. Chloe? Yeah, no. Hi. You can't afford that, Chloe, can you? No, no, not all that anyway, not a hope. Yeah. Definitely um, not. And are, are you angry that that's probably the only, that's the only fast recourse here, that you raise that money somehow and, and, and get that private... Th- then again, that assessment may only be for your own good. It may not yeah, be recognised by the HSE. That is, it might not be accepted in some schools. And So where do you guys go from here? I don't know. I was thinking of going to a solicitor and finding out, can they find out why there's been no services seem to be given to anyone in the north side of Cork? But then again, I don't have the money for that either. Is there a bias against the north side, in in your opinion? Well, I I don't know. But, like, we were told, go to the north side one, and then we've heard nothing since we went to the north side one, if you know what I mean. Mm hmm. I, I imagine pretty much like the health service, once you get inside the system, that everything is good, everything is operating properly, but it's just trying to get in the door of a hospital. It's just trying to get in the door of an assessment centre to get the official assessment done. There seems to be massive waiting lists. Yeah, and it, it's no mean, like, and the earlier they get assessed, the earlier they can get the intervention that they be able to, you know, that they be get, get help earlier. You know, it just seems to be a backward system, you know. Okay, but if if there are so many, 5,832 children um, assessing supports from the 11 CDNTs in Cork, uh, but there are massive delays for children and their families awaiting initial contact. So why then does the HSE recruitment freeze extend to this area? I know it's across the board for political or financial reasons or whatever, but... When you have children with special needs who are not being adequately catered for, surely some exceptions could be made. Yeah, 100%. It's basically uh, like they've no, they no budget, no. That's because they're paying 300 managers for, uh, to do 
the same job and apparently the majority of them are used. So it's a very top-heavy organisation, yeah, you know. That's, that's another programme unto itself, the uh, the top-heaviness yeah. of HSE management. Uh, meanwhile, the Minister for the Environment can fly in for a vote from Dubai and fly back out again. Yeah, and drive a two-litre jeep around Dublin and then tell us uh, all we have to get electric cars. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's sometimes it beggars belief, but you guys are at the coalface of, um, maybe not so much yourself, Tony, your, your situation isn't worsening, I think, as much as Chloe's is with the passage of time. Would that be right? Well, I suppose, I suppose not as much as her, but you know, but he still needs the help. You know, and I just rang in because I got angry when I heard on phone, I just wanted to say another story similar to hers to be said, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot more people than us so out there that are going through all the same stuff. Well, oh, I agree, I agree. We'd, we'd yeah. love to hear from them because if, if anything, this is a platform for change. When Once you go public with this, uh, you know, once once our listeners finally start taking things to heart, the publicity that the media can give is often what sways the politicians to action. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's keep up with it, um, Chloe. You can't continue for much longer like this. No, def- I'm on my literally my end. I don't know where to go, what to do, how to do it. Literally, yeah. Will you stay in touch with us? I will. I will. Of course. Of course. Because I don't think there'll be much change. Though you know, coming up to the Christmas now, they're going to be getting their midterms and. Okay. So I don't think there'll be much change. All right. Listen, th- thank you both for coming on. Uh, thanks so much. Oh, thanks. Much. Thank Th- you. Thanks. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, th- bye. 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 Thanks, bye. Dennis. Bye. I have. Uh, we have Dennis waiting on uh, on the line. I'll come back to him in a moment. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Prenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. Twelve minutes to ten. Dennis, thanks for holding. How are you? Good, yourself. I'm good. You know, your daughter was assessed privately. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, so, I was just listening to the lady there, and, you know, it, it just kind of bugs me there, the fact that, you know, you can you can do as much as you can for your child, you to be the voice for your child, but then, you know, you have all these obstacles and barriers in front of you. So, um, basically, our, our child was getting the kind of usual um, public health nurse uh, visits there when she was transitioning from a child to a toddler, from a baby to a toddler, mm-hmm. and... They raised some red flags just in relation to our motor skills and our social skills and that, you know. So that kind of that was the beginning of our journey, really. Um, and basically, we got the same thing that everybody else was getting when we kind of made contact with the HSE and their affiliates. We were told about these massive wait lists, and basically, you know, our child couldn't really go to start preschool or anything like that without a diagnosis. So I was kind of saying to him, you know. So do you want me to keep my child at home till she's six or seven? Till you're ready to see her or, or, or what? Like, cause so you're being fobbed off, that, you know? Yeah. So um, basically, then uh, you know, like I said, look, I'm, I'm my boy, my child's boy. So you know, I started. Like, I would have had a bit of a, a law background from college a long time ago. So I started doing a bit of reading and doing a bit of digging in that and. Basically, kind of, you know, I was, I made phone calls and said, let us the HSC kind of remind them of their kind of, I suppose, constitutional obligations to my child in relation to education and discrimination, you know, and disability. And, that. and so, is there a time scale involved in that, Dennis? Well, the, the HSC's own statutory legislation, there's time scales in it, but I got told that they're, they're kind of, um, I suppose, they're loosely applied, you know, that kind of thing? Loosely applied, um, but still the letter of the law. Uh, Exactly. So, 
Um, we we were after booking my my daughter in for a private assessment in ourselves because look, we just you know you constantly all you hear from government and from these people is that early intervention is key. You know, and it is key with a, with a child. You know, in terms of their development and education prospects and stuff. Yes, even though they tell us this, they tell us then that early intervention is key. But you have to wait four years. You know, for us to do anything with your child, by you know, which I, I kind of wasn't having. So we were after booking my daughter in for a private assessment ourselves. And I think about two weeks before she was due to have that private assessment, the HSE contacted me and said that they were outsourcing a private assessment for her that they were paying for. And funny enough, it ended up being in the exact same clinic that I was after booking her in to, to have a private assessment that I was paying for so myself. So it's probably an approved clinic by the HSE. It, it is. I mean, see, there, there was a kind of grey area as well that I, that I noticed with them that, you know, when you do get a, a diagnosis from a private clinic... Um, there was a grey area about whether the HSE actually accept that private diagnosis and that but like at the end of the day their recruiting problems aren't my that's not my problem it's not your child's they, problem you're, you're trying to do the best best you can for somebody exactly. as fast as you can because time exactly. makes a difference it, it, it does, does it smack of coincidence that the uh, the same clinic was used it was, it, was, it was 100% coincidence because I was only after being on to him. I'd say about a week or two beforehand and I thought I was going to pursue him through the courts for the, for any cost that I had in relation to getting my child seen because like, I mean, I'm like everyone else, Mick, I, I, I've been working for the past 25 years, paying my tax, I never claimed a thing in my life and then when it came to the point where the state actually owed me something, you know, it, I, I, I had to go through God knows what now to, you know, to try and, to try and do something for my daughter, so... Um, I think it was about a week or two previous to that I was after, you know, sending them some correspondence saying that I, look, I'm going to pay him for this myself but I'm going to come after you for the payment then because you have your obligations to my child and if you can't fulfil your obligations, that's not my problem, that's not my child's problem, you know? Yeah, but other parents are trying their best w- without doing what you did, without, uh, without maybe having the legal background or the determination to go into the letter of the law. Do you think that it was your um, threatened legal approach that stirred them into action? Well, I can't say for sure that it was, but, you know, it just kind of happened around the same time. And, you know, I love her. Obviously, look, you know, I'm aware of loads of other parents that are in exactly the same situation that we are. And, you know, there's, there's so much out there that other parents don't know or don't know where to find or, or, or whatever, you know. And I suppose, I suppose from a government point of view, if every parent knew this and every parent was kind of going down the same road, I was going down there to open floodgates for, you know, serious litigation for them and... And whatnot, so it's not in their best interest, you know, for people, you know, to I suppose direct people to these kind of avenues, you know. Yeah, but aren't places like the Citizens Advice Bureau non-judgmental and and honour bound to give you all of the information that's out there? Would that be a good place for those non-legal brains to start? Well, you see, the thing about is, you know, I kind of, you know, through, throughout this ordeal, you know, I've kind of lost a lot of faith in a lot of these places because at the end of the day, look, they're NGOs, and while they might. Uh, you know, might, well, they might perceive to be independent. Are they really? You know that kind of way. Yeah. Um, um, so, but, but as I say, look, you know, like obviously, I, I empathise with the other girl that was on on earlier because you know, I have a folder at home now that's you know about three inches thick of paperwork. I've everything copied. You know, we've gone through so many phone calls, letters, emails, everything. No, we're we're making progress. No, at the moment we got a diagnosis. My little girl's in preschool. She's she's thriving, but that's that's not 
that's she's not thriving as a result of what they're doing from for her. It, it's it's going to, as a result of what we're doing as parents for because at the end of the day, any parent of a child with needs like that knows that we're the child's voice. You know that kind of way. Yeah. How how would how would she be without your intervention if you, if you didn't do this? Do you think she'd be in well, a worse place? Well, she well, well she you know as I said, there's barriers to education without a diagnosis. You know, because you need a diagnosis for a school to apply for an SNA or for, you know to have we'd say sufficient SNAs within the school. You know to to look after your daughter or your son, whatever the case may be. So, like they're telling you, diagnosis is key, but then an early intervention is key, but then they're telling you you have to wait three, four, five years for either one, you know? Yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of, it's a contradictory statement, like, you know? Yeah, one of the things you said there, which I would believe is very important, if anybody's starting out on this journey, the retention of communication documents in a folder, uh, properly filed uh, chronologically over time, is very, very important to your case. It, it is, because a lot of the time... You know, they will say to you, oh, we, we didn't send you that correspondence or we didn't send you this letter. And yes, you say, did. I have it here. Well, well, I have it right here in front of me, you know, signed by this person or that person or the other person. So, you know, I've got a leg to stand on there, really. But, like, what I would say to, what I would say to any of you is that, that, that I have any issues with that is just, you know, kind of, you know, again, you're the child's voice. So even though it's tough and whatnot, you, you just kind of pursue every single avenue that you can. You know, take legal advice if you want to take, you know, the free legal aid centre might be a good place to start then as well. Because, like I said, they have kind of constitutional obligations to your child, you know. It's enshrined yeah. in the constitution. And I think what, what, whatever the outcome, whatever the outcome for each individual child, at least each individual parent will know, I did my very best for my son or my daughter. Exactly, yeah. and you know, it, it is a headache. Make it, it really is like you know, because we're we're two working parents. We're just trying to do our best yeah. and get along. And you know, then you're you're kind of having to you know put up fights and arguments with these people just to kind of get the best outcome for your child as you can. Um, added to that, then you know, I, I'd sit down. I'd be watching leaders' questions, dogs, dates, the disability minister and rabbit. There, she, you know, everything that comes out of them is so kind of ambiguous yeah. because. They were kind of floating the idea that they were going to pay for outsourcing of diagnosis or that a person could pay for it and you could, you know, claim it back or whatever. But then that kind of fell by the way. So yeah, things know, happen very slowly. I've got to take a break for news, Dennis. Thank you very much for your contribution. And well, we well, salute well. you and your partner and all of the struggling parents out there in this regard. Thanks very much. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. And we have a great competition this week from Michelle the Jewellers. We'll tell you more about it after 10 o'clock news. But Michelle are over 60 years in business in Cork. It's a family-run business. Bespoke jewellery for any occasions. And michellejewellers.ie for more details. We're going to be asking you to listen for a clip of Diamonds Are Forever by Shirley Bass. And I'll play you that clip just by a way of demonstration after news at 10. Two listeners go head-to-head by picking a random card from a deck uh, of cards and the listener who draws the highest card wins. We'll give you more details after news at 10. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now 086 8104 106 Red FM. And at 10 past 10, welcome to the Neil Prenderville Show. Hour two, welcome back. Mick Mole says a texture. Thank you very much. Uh, refugees, uh, there's shock and awe at the thought of refugees arriving here and having to sleep on the streets. Yet it's okay if 14,000 homeless Irish have to sleep on the streets permanently. What's going on, says a texture. Uh, 
on the paper review can the Neil Prendival show avoid giving too much personal opinion when reading the newspaper I believe this is the exact reason why people are reluctant to listen to this talk show uh, I thought a little bit of personal interjection doesn't uh, go astray would you agree uh, happy to stop it if uh, most of you want that but uh, nice to give an opinion now and again I think but uh, I don't know. I uh, I can be st- I could be stood corrected. We'll see. Uh, we're getting lots of calls and texts on our autism issue. Uh, she'll have to go pirate, pirate to get any results. There's no point in waiting on the HSE. We get to go to Kerry for an assessment privately to make sure he has the best opportunity in life. The assessment is only the start. There's a lot of paperwork involved. Uh, another texture said there's only one dedicated unit to help autistic children in the island of Ireland. It's based in the north under the British NHS. Uh, Varadkar is giving over 200 million a year for other countries, supposedly suffering from uh, climate change from 2025, while special needs children in Ireland are left fending for themselves. Is 200 million a year correct? Um, I don't know. Uh, hey, the HSC has been failing our kids for years. My own son, who is eight, has serious issues with handwriting. He meets all the criteria for a laptop to help him with his writing, but they say that kids can't get laptops till they're 10. So I have to leave him struggling now because of it. Even if I go private, nothing uh, and no one will help. Uh, we also do not have enough units that can help our kids. So if you get a diagnosis, it makes no difference because there isn't enough space for our kids to go to school. Your texts are more than welcome, as always, on the Neil Prendival Show. 0868 104 106 to line two and to Bieta. Is it Bieta or Bieta? It's Bieta. Very Beata. good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, now, let's not put too fine a point on it. In this, uh, in this era where we have been described by our Taoiseach as the wealthiest uh, or a very wealthy country, shall we say, you, Beata, are living in a cowshed. That is very true. Um, the structure itself is about 400 years old. Um, no human being ever lived in it, um, yet I found myself forced to live in that. The alternative would have been yeah, under one of our lovely bridges here or um, in a ditch or something. Um, that would have been the alternative. So, um, yeah, to put yeah. a some, somewhat comical spell on, uh, spill on it, um, it's, um, yeah, I'm living in the lap of luxury compared to others. I am aware of that. That's that's very big-hearted of you to say. Now, in in, in the trendier home regeneration programs like Kevin McLeod's um, Grand Designs, etc., places where animals used to habitate are often done up very sexily. Uh, you know, they're done with uh, full adherence to planning. They have massive insulation. They probably get an A rating. You've got a corrugate roof. I've got a corrugate roof. Um, there is no insulation there. Um, like it, it was never meant for living in. I found myself, um, yeah, eyeballing it and considering moving into it um, while I was in the process of being evicted um, out of my my mobile. Um, I was renting a plot of land and I was had a mobile on it uh, connected to water and electricity and. 
It was, yeah, it was grand. It was nice. So this, um, this is the story that led you to the cow shed. You had, you, you had exactly. rented land, you had a mobile, you had facilities. Uh, what, yes. what, what, was it an old mobile? Was it was it new it and was, trendy? Or? Yeah, it's, no, no, no. It was an old mobile that was gifted to me. <laughs> and um, it, it, it was okay. It was fine um, compared to what I have now. It's absolutely fine. Um, but the, the landlord that I paid the rent to uh, did not pay, repay his mortgage, um, so it was um, being repossessed. Okay, and with that and repossession came your eviction. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then um, I was looking around, looking for options, and I was asking around also for my my pet to to be accommodated somewhere. And a friend of mine um, offered to mind my dogs for me. So I went up to her place with my dogs, and um, while we were sitting outside and, and having a chat, I started looking at her shed from the outside and I asked her, what's the story with the shed? And she said, well, you cannot live in there. There's no running water. There is electricity, but there is no running water. There's no heating. There's no nothing. It might do you for a couple of weeks during the summer. Um, You're more than happy to to stay there if you really want to. Um, You're more than happy to stay there while the weather is fine and... um, yeah, try and get yourself sorted. Well, when was this? It, it, this was in the summer, was it? This was in May. Okay. Yes. So um, at, at a push, so you get May, June, July and August out of it. Maybe a little bit of September. Yes, yes, exactly. And um, yeah, and now I am still in it. Um, it's it's a corrugated roof. Um, I when I, when I look up uh, in the morning or even at night, um, now with the cold weather... <laughs> Um, there is actually ice on the inside of the roof. Um, since there is no heating in there, it's minus five degrees. If in there, mm. if there is minus five degrees out there, yeah. My have you investigated the cost of insulating it? And I'm not talking about um, major structural work now, but you could you you could hold it up um, with something as simple as string, uh, put at the right distance. You you could force the insulation up to the roof and maybe keep a few degrees of heat in the in the in the structure. I have just today picked up um some insulation that I will put up on my day off because the crazy thing about it also is I work full time. And yes, I cannot afford to rent a place anywhere. Um I have put uh, put in a period, uh, like I of course I applied for a social housing um, which was um, denied because I am over the income threshold uh, which was a couple of hundred euro. Um, so I have now applied for um, council housing uh, with the city council because the income threshold was higher. I am now waiting to uh, because that I was told when I hand sorry <laughs> I'm jumping um, I was told when I handed in my application in May um, that all my documents were in order and that everything was there. Uh, it took them four months to get back to me, and now they're demanding my uh, divorce settlement. 
Um, and since that's in, in German, I have to get it translated. I got divorced in 98. I did not have my divorce settlement mm. papers anymore because I did not think I would need them anymore. So I had to apply to Germany to get them and um, they have been sent to me and now I need to get them translated and then I can hand them into the council again. But sure, that means there's, there's nothing going to happen before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, think, um, yeah. I think it's important to mention here that this isn't a sure God help us case. This isn't a, no. a, a, no. Poor, a poor mouth case looking to be rehoused. You are more a reflection of the squeeze middle or the invisible middle that, yes. uh, that yes. exists in this country. One of the lines in your, in your text uh, really struck me. You said, I'm too poor to live, too rich to die. Yes, that is exactly it. That's, that's something my grandmother always used to say. And I might have to add, because um, I, I listened a little bit on, on the show with the immigrants and everything. Uh, so my grandmother always used to say, um, my my father's side, my this grandmother, they were immigrants from Eastern Prussia, which is now Russia or Poland, uh, in the Second World War. So my heart goes out to anybody who has to immigrate. Um, have you spent most of your life here in Ireland, Beata? Um, I might sound, sound sound like it a bit. <laughs> I came here first in eighty one. Um, yeah, my excuse is that most of the English, and I was thirteen then, and uh, my excuse is that most of the English that I learned, I learned in Mallow. So, <laughs> okay, and 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 just to be clear, well, let's not mention the name of your employer, but it's a pretty big company. If you've got a pretty good job. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you you find yourself now in a place where you can't afford. Uh, well, probably can't find somewhere to rent. Could you afford the down payment or the deposit on on a rental property if one were available for you? Not at all. I can just barely scrape by um, on what I am getting with um, petrol to drive in and out of work. Um, yeah, to put some food on the table for myself, to to feed um, my pets, and I am getting help with with um, with food for them by a very kind um, rescue. And what about your electricity costs? Are you running a heater or anything? Um, I can't run a heater because the electricity is too dodgy in there. Like if I turn on a heater inside there, an electric heater, the um, it, it will blow straight away. It'll trip it out, okay. So well, what are you using, yeah. hurricane lamps for light or what? I am, there. there is electricity, like the electricity is good enough so I can actually like the lap of luxury again, I have television. <laughs> right. And I have a lamp in there. Yeah, so you have low power consumption items. Yes, yes. And how, how do you run the television? From a wireless hotspot or something? Um, the television is, well, yes, yes, by um, a, a dongle thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, there is there is like a, the electricity goes into the television, and then um, yeah, whatever. I, and that I powers the dongle, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, just in re- reference to a text that I read out, Varadkar giving two hundred million a year for other countries. I know he gave. He said Ireland's a wealthy country and pledged twenty five million. Now that could be part of. Uh, uh, of a larger package, of course, but the actual pledge was twenty-five million to fight climate change at the COP twenty-eight conference in Abu Dhabi. You wouldn't mind some climate change, would you? Especially some warmer weather. Not at all. Not at all. Um, some warmer weather. I'd I'd bring that money over for Leo if he wanted to. 
and get a bit of heat over in Abu Dhabi. I wouldn't mind at all. Yeah, and and um, by the way, John O'Donnell is the name of the man who was living in a slaughterhouse uh, that we helped, this programme helped and housed uh, this year with Paddy O'Brien. And uh, I just want to reference that as well. This isn't quite the same situation. You're not... Um, you're not asking to be rehoused, but 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 what are you asking for? What I am asking for is um, if I could find somewhere affordable to rent um, where I can keep my pets okay. because of the, the like the situation um, that I have been going through with the eviction and this and you know what the situation that I am in now. And I am trying. I mean, I am working and I am trying to better myself. But yes, I got punished for it. <laughs> um, somewhere affordable to rent where I can keep my pets. It doesn't have to be anything. If I could switch on a heater, it would be a big plus. Have running water, have a toilet, a bathroom. Um, it can be an old house. It can be anything. I'd be willing to do work in it. I really don't mind. Um, us German women, we don't shy away from picking up um, tools or anything ourselves. Um, or find somebody who can do it. I'd be happy about that. Or if somebody would be willing to even let me just a, a, a bit of land where I can push another mobile home. And You'd have to buy one. The, the other one couldn't be moved, could it? No, that couldn't be moved. That had to be dismantled. That had seen the end of its life, really. And has that has that property since been sold? No, it has not been sold yet. But it, of course, the new buyer is going to need vacant possession. It's it's not in your budget to buy the whole thing, no. Um, no, even though it's 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 cheap enough because the um, the house that's on it is derelict. Um, so it's 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 going for about sixty thousand, but that's sixty thousand I don't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, yeah. Or even somewhere where where somebody would agree to a rent to buy or something like that. Anything, anything really. I'm I'm clasping at straws at this stage. Okay. How, how much of a stumbling block do you think having pets is going to put in your way? I would imagine it's it's it's, it's going to rule out you. a lot. A huge, very, very, very huge. How many pets have you? Um, Well, I have my own cats. I have uh, six cats who are happily living outside in the the shed next door because, um, yeah, there is a dog with me now that they don't like. (laughs) Right. Um, I am fostering two dogs for a rescue, one of which is going to be rehomed soon. And, um, yeah, then I would have four dogs and I might be able to rehome another one. So I'd be down to three dogs myself. Okay. But still, it isn't very appealing for a potential landlord to have six or seven pets coming with you. As much as you love them. Yeah. Um, And are you determined to hold on, for instance, to the cats? They probably could um, settle and fend for themselves with, with your friend's help. In, in in and around the cowshed you're in, whatever about yes. the dogs who who pine away for you if you if you move and leave them, you don't intend to leave them anyway, do you? Um, no, I I can't. Like true to be told, um, with all the stress that was going on in in the last couple of years, 
I often thought about um, ending it. Really? Uh, sorry, yes. Yes, I did. Uh, many what? times, still ongoing. But it's like often I thought while I was driving, God, if you just hit the wall there. Ah, oh, come um, on, come on. It's all over. It's all done. You don't have to deal with this anymore. But I know it's the, yeah, in inverted commas, um, or in, it's it's the coward's way out. And then I would think, who's going to take care of the, of the pet? So they are really what, what's keeping me here. Okay, it's obviously affecting your mental well-being now if you're thinking oh, thoughts absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I've always been a very, very independent, strong and positive person. I could quite honestly never understand why somebody could get suicidal thoughts or be depressed. Mm. I could never understand it. I don't. I don't think it's very fair, actually, to call it a coward's way out because you know each individual case where someone takes their own life is oh, has completely absolutely. different circumstances yeah. and different mental trauma. And so, it was, yeah, it, it was just in case we're offending being, anybody by, by yes, allowing that yes. to be said. I wasn't being judgmental. Like I've had friends um, commit suicide, and out um, of various reasons. Um, and I, I don't I think you can even say that. I don't think you can even say that anymore uh, in our straightened times. Uh, I don't think you can say those two words. Uh, I, I think it's took their own life. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> like I, I, I did not mean to offend anyone. No, no, no. I know, I know you don't. I know you don't. And, and you're in a you're in a particular situation um, yourself where you're, you're caught between a rock and a hard place, really. Um, Absolutely. The pets, as much as you love them, are going to be a detracting factor to to you securing proper accommodation for all of you. I mean, you you have to be looking at a country place, maybe a half run down or derelict house where uh, your offer to put some value into the property might give you a low yes. rent, uh, yes. but but will give you. I mean, what are you doing for toilet facilities? I have always said I would never go camping in all my life. <laughs> and now I have a camping toilet and a camping cooker. Oh, you're cooking on one of the little gas ring things, is it? Yes. Can I, can I bring you back to your home country of Germany? Although I assume you, you consider Ireland home now. I but, do, yeah. But uh, as someone with German origin, would this be allowed to happen in Germany? Somebody in a very good job, per se, being left in this situation? Um, no, not that I know of. Like I, I'm, I'm out of Germany since 2008. Um, I, I don't go back to Germany very much because, um, quite frankly, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, even though I, my my children who are grown live in Germany, um, but um, it's I don't think it, something like that would happen there. Of course, there's homelessness there. Of course. Um, there always has been, but it would usually be out of different reasons. Um, there are some people homeless over there who, who live homeless by choice. Mm-hmm. I know this might sound um, arrogant or, or um, yeah, just, but some people really, because they can't deal with society, choose to go and live um, on, like they're homeless. They're, they're yeah, I, I have a friend who's a, a top surgeon who left Germany for the uh, 
the sunshine of Dubai, he just found it very grey and miserable and um, the outlook of people wasn't wasn't very happy. That, that kind of, I haven't been much in Germany. I've been in Munich once with Guinness, but uh, I did have to drive one day from Roskopf to Stuttgart, right, uh, when I was working, doing an exhibition. Um, and we spent a week around the Stuttgart area before we drove back. Um, you know, you're, you're driving under Paris to get back to, to Roskopf, to get back to Roslaire or to Cork or whatever. And um, there was something very disconcerting about Stuttgart. Um, now, I know we've got the... Uh, uh, the famous Irish wind there, and there are, pa- there are buildings painted um, green, white, and gold in memory of the level of uh, consumption, shall we say, that the Irish uh, brought upon the city of Stuttgart in 88, I think. But there was something very disconcerting about spending time in Stuttgart, and I couldn't figure it out until about halfway back towards Roscoff. Uh, I said to my companion, uh, we were sharing the driving, I know what it is. And he said, what? I said, I didn't see one child in the whole week. No children playing, no children on swings, no children in playgrounds, no children no. coming and going to school. That's what it is. It was it was a Not very anymore. soulless city in that regard, if if if, if you get what I'm trying yeah. to say. Anyway, uh, we're, we're not anymore. Like people don't like parents can't leave their their kids out. It's too 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 dangerous. Like me growing up, I am I am 50, nearly fifty six. Me growing up as children, we knew that before we play um, in the sandpit um, on the playground, we had to check for syringes. Oh, okay. Because the drug, drug addicts would be there overnight and, um, yeah, do what they do. Anyway, we, we digress from your current situation, which, which yeah. is that you are now looking for somewhere, a fixer-upper, probably somewhere in the country. Um, yeah. you, you work in Cork, in the general area of Cork City? Shall we say? In the general area of Cork City, I am happy to travel if there is somewhat um, usable internet um, available there that I will all do myself. Um, Then I can work from home for most of the days. I don't have to go into the office every day. Um, I can do hybrids. um, Yeah, I'm 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 just wondering if you... And I don't want to get too personal, but if you had any savings at all, maybe there's a scheme whereby that that initial house where you had the mobile home could be bought. I mean, sixty grand for any property in this country is is pennies, really. I, I know it's not not pennies if you yeah. don't have it, but you know, if you had a twenty percent deposit, it's only twelve thousand. I'm not sure if that could be borrowed, but you know, you, you, in the job you're in, you could probably service that debt, could you? Um, it, it would take a while. Like I don't have it now. Um, but I could have it in a while, if that makes sense. All right, okay. Well, here's here's one text of support for you, okay? Hey, I'm just listening to your station. There's a lady that's looking for somewhere. I don't know if I can help, but I've got a site uh, which I can put running water and a septic tank, uh, etc., onto on my land. I'm in North Cork, uh, but it would have to be a mobile home. But it's on a half acre, if that's any help to that lady. Let's see if we can put. Which, let's oh see if we can put you guys in touch, and, and and there's there's somebody with a big heart, a good Samaritan who, uh, you know, obviously anywhere or anybody that uh, that lets you in is going to have to protect themselves against squatters' rights and and all that kind of thing. But that's big hearted. That is big hearted. That is. I'm sorry. Go on, no, please, just t- tell me how you feel. I'm I'm so grateful. I'm absolutely overwhelmed. That would be fantastic. That would be so fantastic. 
As I say earlier in the year when this programme with the help of Paddy O'Brien housed John from the abattoir, that's not the situation here. You're just looking for a bit of a leg up, some, somewhere to put a mobile home. Uh, and are, are you prepared to maybe invest in a mobile home yourself or get the help of friends to maybe I'll, group fund um, it? I'll try and I'll try and get it because there's mobile homes that go for little enough money. I mean, it doesn't have to be a great, fantastic one. I, I like yeah. I have a lot of stuff that I can put in myself that I had in the previous one. Like I have my own electric shower that that a friend of mine will install again. <laughs> okay, um, we're, we're going to try and ring the texter. Uh, obviously, that's the only contact we've had, and I've read it out. Uh, and if, if maybe that texter he or she could make that offer on air and more, you know, more formalize it for you. Um, so, you know, don't get your hopes up too high, but we may have an opening here. Oh, but, you know, every little thing, every little straw, and anything at all, um, is a pre- it's very, very appreciated. Sure. Very appreciated. And even if it's just the willingness to help. Some yeah. people might want to help, but they can't help. Even just showing the willingness to help and not being judgmental and, I sure she's working, she should be fine. Okay. No. Can, can, Even working people are sometimes not fine. I know. And this isn't a should God help us case. This is somebody in a fairly decent job uh, who finds themselves yeah. in the squeeze metal. Stay on the line there one second. Brian, good morning. How's it going? You good? I'm good. You're in North Cork, Brian. That's right, Jack. You, you've got a big heart, Brian. Tell us what you have. Well, uh, like I've uh, a size to the all. It's finished out. But George uh, is on the. Uh, to the left of me, like, thought it wouldn't be interrupting my property, like, you know. Yeah. So, it could be just a, a half acre size, but, like, that'd have to be running water put in and stuff like that. But okay, what's that going to cost, I think, putting running water in the septic tank? Even though she has a camping I, I, toilet, I, 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 you wouldn't. Cost, uh, I don't think it costs that much because I run water my own place, so all it is is just connect to my place straight across. Okay, take a connection from your place to get running water. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what red tape or bureaucracy will stand oh, in the I way of that now. But, side of it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I just thought. Maybe. Here, leave them off. We'll, we'll try and come to an accommodation solution here. And if an, yeah. on a temporary basis she was using her own camping toilet, then all she needs is a mobile home. Yeah. Okay, Beata? Yes, I hear you. Thank you so much, Brian. No, about it. You're fine. <laughs> Guys, oh, yes. we'll, we'll put the two of you in touch and we'll uh, we'll reconnect with you maybe Thursday or Friday on the programme to see what sort of uh, progress has been made. And uh, who yeah. knows, maybe, maybe this is the yeah. this is the Christmas yeah, gift. Know. This is the Christmas yeah. gift she was looking for, Brian, and you're very big-hearted yeah. to offer it to her. Yeah, you are about All right, Brian, thank you. Yeah, all right. Thank Cheers, you, Brian. Bye-bye. There you go, Beata. We'll keep in touch and we'll talk to you later in the oh. week. And uh, hopefully, hopefully this is the one. But hopefully there might there may be other people out there who, who may make you an offer as well. You know, we never know. You'll never know how grateful I am. <laughs> Just try try to have as happy a Christmas as possible, Beata. I'll try. I'll try. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, speaking of Christmas and having a fantastic Christmas, what about Finton Reardon Christmas trees? Uh, Finton Reardon's tree farm is the most environmentally friendly in Cork with the stats to prove it. He's not just claiming it, stats to prove it. Sustainable and organic approach to Christmas trees. That's the hallmark of Finton Reardon Christmas trees. You can pick your own Christmas tree from one of their two locations. They're on Centre Park Road in Corrabeg and in Ovens, and there's a tree to suit everybody. They're also members of the Irish Christmas Tree Growers, Organic Farming Association, Forestry Association and Carbon Credits Group 
Ireland. So if you want to do your thing and be environmentally conscious, there's only one place, Finton Reardon Christmas Trees, and you'll find them in Centre Park Road and Currabeg in Ovens. Uh, so if you, um, we will give out uh, our text line just before midday and uh, and give away, how many, tr- two Christmas trees a day we have to give away. So if you want to win one, we'll open the lines. Please don't text now because we're very busy uh, in the course of running the uh, regular items on the programme, but we will give you a chance to win a couple of Christmas trees. Well, not not two for one person, but one each uh, between now and 12 midday. And after the break, I'm going to tell you all about our Michelle the Jewellers competition. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106 Red FM. 17 minutes to 11 o'clock on this Monday morning and let's go back to our phone lines and let's go back to our uh, topic of autism. Philip is on line one. Good morning to you, Philip. Good morning, Mick. No, you, you have a pretty convoluted story. There's many, many elements to it. So let's see if we can get to it kind of in chronological order. You now have a 13-year-old who hasn't been in school since last June. But t- take us back to the start of your issues, if you would. Um, he was diagnosed with autism. And he went to school and educated together in Middleton since he was four. Um, he was in a special unit there. There was uh, six in the unit, two SNAs and the teacher. And so I, I venture he was well looked after then? Yeah, very well looked after. It's a brilliant school. They, I couldn't praise him enough. They they took him out down the town and outings and into restaurants to give him a bit of independence and things. They mm-hmm. they done everything for him. They couldn't do enough. Okay, but of, um, but of course, all good things come to an end. He grows up and is uh, going to be heading into secondary school. Take it from there. Yeah, that's where the problem started. Uh, he should have started secondary school this year. Uh, we got an, an assessment privately done. Um, we applied to three schools, two in Cork and one in East Cork, and he was unsuccessful. He didn't get into any of them. Why? Because of... Because, well... Criteria schools, issues, is it? Yeah, one of the schools in Cork, there was no reason, only we just didn't get in. Uh, the second school, he was second on the waiting list, and we were ringing that school every couple of weeks, you know, is there any change, hoping that, you know, maybe someone would have applied to two different schools and took another school, you know, mm-hmm. that a position had come up, but no, and the school in East Carton, um we got a letter back, basically, he didn't meet the criteria. Um, I do, I, look, I'm at work at the moment, I don't mm-hmm. have the letter in front of me, no but problem. basically... Okay, let, um, let's, let, let's not name the schools now, there's no point in no, causing no, um, any unnecessary duress for anybody, but... Yeah, uh, no, it was, uh, and the letter basically was kind of... Um, to meet the criteria to get into the school, you'd have to have autism, you'd have to have special needs, you'd need a special class. This is off the top of my head now, as I yeah. say, I don't have the letter in front of me. Uh, things like that. So we got back, uh, I think they said it didn't state on the assessment he needed a special school. So we got back on to where we got the assessment done and that lady sent out a letter then stating that he did need a special school and he did uh, need a special class with an SNA, you know, to yeah. 
Because what, what, what's your other option? You, you have to send him to a mainstream school then, do you? Well, he, like, he, he, like he, he, since all primary school, he was in a, a unit. There was only six pupils, two SNAs and a teacher. So sending him into a mainstream school where there might be top the pupils in the class, yeah, uh, he's going to be left behind. He'd, he'd be just... And no fault to the teachers. I mean, like, you know, like, if he, if he went all through primary school needing an SNA to help him along yeah. and he's not going to suddenly be able for mainstream secondary school. So you're kind of falling between two stools, if, if you like. In, 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 mm. in one sense, you're getting someone saying, no, he's not uh, of a condition... Basically, he's he's not bad enough to, in his condition to warrant this support. But yeah. the other support that's available to mainstream schooling, which is his constitutional right anyway, it's, it's going to be completely yeah. inadequate for his needs. But we have a letter in stating that he do need yeah. special school. So you went so and got a private assessment then? We did, yeah. Cost? We got... Uh, 800 euro. Okay, that's, uh, I won't say cheap, but that's relatively less than what they're charging in Dublin at 1850. Yeah, um, we got that done in June last year. We had to have that done before we applied for the, the secondary school. So we were going public as we'd be still probably waiting. With, so yeah. we said we had to, we had to go private to have it in time to apply for the schools. like. And did you get it in time? We did. We got it in time and um, we applied to the schools. The, as I said, the three schools we applied to and this is a situation we're in now. So he's after missing six months of secondary school now. He's at home every day with his mother. Probably missing his um, friends more, is he? He's missing his friends um like just often evenings they are like and he'd be crying or he might have a bit of a meltdown like and yeah. he, he missing, he's missing his friends and this is harrowing for parents I, I, I can tell from, even from your voice this is harrowing yeah uh, and it's a sad state of affairs when parents have to take to the media to try and effect some change for their children yeah it is a joke really like do you know so not that you're stuck with him, but you're stuck with him at home now. You, there, there's, that's all of his yeah. structure gone. Yeah, yeah. Everything that the primary school achieved is, for him is, is, is like you know it's stripped away. away. You know because it can't be kept up. Okay, and and like, uh, how how is he behaviourally at home now? It's not suiting him, I would imagine. It's not suiting him. Uh, he just. You, tries to put down the, the day, like, try to keep him occupied and, yeah. you know, try and give him some kind of bit of a, a routine that's should look as hard at the school as the routine, really, like, and, you know, as I say, he needs his friends, he needs a school, and he loved going to the primary school. Have you looked at, at, at the legal avenues that one of our previous callers looked at and exercised? Well, like... That's our next route we were thinking because, like, look, we got onto TDs and things as well and there's nothing coming back there. So we have no other option. Yeah. It's looking like we'll have to go down a legal route, like, because we've no other option. Okay. We, there's, 
there's no other answers, do they? Philip, you have our contact details. Will you will you stay in touch now that we've highlighted it and let's see if we can help you to force the issue for the betterment of your child, a 13-year-old. Hasn't been at school since June. Yeah. And, and it's the bureaucracy of, of, of falling between two stools which is affecting him. Um, okay. There's not a lot more we can say, Philip, only to wish you the very best. Thank you. And, and thank you for highlighting your issue on air. Thanks, Philip. No problem. Thank okay, you. thanks. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Coming up on 5 to 11, looks like we've hit a vein with this uh, subject of autism. Hi, Mick, I finally got a private assessment for my son at 15. We were 10 years waiting. We went to the Sunflower Clinic on the Tremor Road and it cost €890. Euro. He was assessed when he was four and we waited till 15. And when he was assessed, we heard nothing after that. He qualified for an SNA, a special needs assistant. But in primary school, the principal told us there were more deserving kids. So his hours were cut. My daughter was in the same position, waiting for an assessment. 0868-104-106 if you want to get in touch by text. Now, our brilliant competition this week with Michelle the Jewellers, over 60 years in business in Cork. It's a family-run business, uh, offering bespoke jewellery for any occasion. You can check it all out on michellejewellers.ie. Uh, Michelle Jewellers, I always remember this, uh, this byline from uh, advertising years of old. The quality is right. The service is right. They have the expertise and they're there for you. Uh, I used to love that ad actually. Uh, so what we want you to do is listen out for this. Between 11 and 12, don't call us now, but listen out for this. Cue to call in the next hour. Okay, we'll take two callers on 0868104106 when we play it again in the next hour. They'll then go head-to-head by picking a random card from a deck of diamonds. And there'll be no sleight of hand here like Dynamo was uh, at the weekend. We'll do it live on air, we'll do it on camera, and Claire will have the big cards uh, to find out the listener who draws the highest card to win. That's all happening between 11 and 12 midday. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Now, as is our want this time of year, we get a little bit lighthearted towards the end of the programme. It's Christmas time after all. And while the programme often tackles, uh, tackles real life uh, issues, of course, we must also uh, very, very slowly and inexorably get into the Christmas spirit. And we're going to be giving away some very nice prizes uh, in the course of this hour. We have, of course, with the Christmas tree experts, two Christmas trees to give away. That's with Finton Reardon Christmas trees. Um, but for many, many years, the uh, the mainstay of Christmas tradition, for those who are giving something special in the jewellery line, has been Michelle the jeweller. 60 years, over 60 years, actually, in business in Cork. Uh, still a family-run business with bespoke jewellery for any occasion. Don't go further than michellejewellers.ie for your research, and then try and pop in in person and pick... Uh, that perfect item for the one you love. It's going to be Diamonds Are Forever. I've played you the clip already. When you hear the Diamond Dilemma cue to call, which is Shirley Bassey, Diamonds Are Forever. We'll take two callers on 0868-104-106 only when you hear that cue to call, Diamonds Are Forever. Two listeners then going head-to-head by picking a random card from a deck 
and uh, we've reduced the deck it being Michelle's special promotion to diamonds only so the listener who draws the highest diamond wins and before we get into any arguments about the ace is high or the ace is low we'll do it in poker style okay the ace will be higher than the king so the lowest and just to put these rules out there first the lowest card you can pick will be the two of diamonds and as you go up past the uh, ten jack queen, uh, queen and king of diamonds the ace will be the highest because Michelle are the ace place to go for your Christmas shopping now I've got John Lowe holding on the line uh, for quite some time so uh, good morning to you John the money doctor how are you sir I'm very well indeed and good morning to you and to your listeners okay some explanation is needed please if possible from your expertise Irish consumers are paying more than their counterparts in Britain for exactly the same goods from some British retailers now there's usually a big increase in online shopping at this time of the year Black Friday of course and Cyber Monday kicking off the busy Christmas period but why is it that companies which operate in both Ireland and the UK uh, often charge different prices for the same products? Should it not be a straight currency swap? Well, I think, to be honest, that there's a number of issues uh, with this. And this is to be, uh, you know, separated from online, because online is, is a different kettle of fish altogether, whereby you're, you're going to be paying all sorts of charges for uh, buying online. Um, and it may not be worth your while even doing that. But th- one of the uh, num- number of the issues, you know, on the differential between Ireland and England prices, for instance, the, the VAT, um, 23% here in Ireland is 20% in the UK. Shipping costs uh, of items from the UK is also, um, a, you know, a, a kind of a, a huge expense. You've also got the currency fluctuations, and you've probably got probably the biggest difference of all is the higher cost of retail in Ireland. And, and you know, you can talk to any number of retailers here, and, and they'll all tell you higher wage levels, higher rents, higher premises costs, higher insurance. So all of those things are, are, are kind of militating or mitigating against um, the Irish retailer having to kind of match whatever prices are over in the UK. Yeah, in the Katie the Taylor story, it's amazing that Croke Park costs more than Wembley Stadium. There you it's go. Unbelievable. It is really unbelievable. What, 90,000 people? Yeah. yeah, mad. But I mean, I don't think it's worth, you know, getting on a Ryanair flight uh, to save 100 euros for a Dyson Airwrap Origin. <laughs> but that, that's what you're going to save. It's, it's quite a stark saving when, when you look mm-hmm. at the Dyson Airwrap. Oh, there's 100 euros in the difference. Yeah, there is uh, 100 pounds, actually. 100 pounds? Um, yeah. But as I said, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things. First of all, I mean, even the cost of going over there uh, and maybe staying a night, unless you're going to come back the same day, and you're going to go, uh, you know, via Ryanair. Uh, I, I just don't think uh, it, it's worth the hassle. Yeah, now, I, I know that, that the currency exchange, it's going to appear more in, in units when you change from sterling yeah. in, into yeah. euro. I think the euro this morning was quoted at... Um, 85 pence sterling. But it's, it's a very start. 519.99 euro against 349.99 pounds. Yeah. That's, that's huge yeah. money. I know. Well, you, you, you could say then obviously it's around about 380 pounds, uh, euros rather. Yeah. It's still a saving. It's still a, a major saving. But at the same time, you've got all of those uh, other offsets um, that it's a bit like, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember all those years ago in Jonesbury where people were going up there with their cars to buy butter and oil, <laughs> um, you know, to save money. You know, sometimes, it, certainly whatever about traveling within Ireland, but traveling to uh, uh, another land, uh, you know, going yeah. across the sea, flying the boat. It's just simply, in my view, it's not worth it. 
Yeah, but un- unless you had a trip to make to family for Christmas and you could stock up on a few of these things. For instance, in Boots, the Philips Sonicare toothbrush costs Irish shoppers one hundred and seventy nine ninety nine. Uh, but it's 155 75, that's 155 75 on the Boots Irish website, but it's only 140 uh, on the retailer's UK side. That's down to more retail costing. Uh, I suppose there is some added red tape and shipping costs post-Brexit as well, shipping into Europe. Ah, there would be. And, and, and also, you know, your listeners should remember um, that, as I say, buying online uh, has its own perils as well, uh, which we know you're talking about the tax that would be levied uh, on some of these uh, goods. And, and they forget that. And so suddenly, you know, you've, you've got your whatever you've just bought online and there's a bill going with it. So it, it kind of defeats the purpose of buying it in the first place. Mm. £65 sterling and a difference on Curry's Irish website and Apple iPhone 15 Pro. 128 gig costs 1299 euro. However, the same phone on Curry's UK website costs £999. That's a difference of £65. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's <laughs> on paper it looks brilliant, you know. Yeah, let's, it, let's it, 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 it does, but I, I guess oh. Apple prices are standardised across the world. Uh, th- this would be the recommended retail price price for the Apple product here in Ireland anyway, wouldn't it? Well, the Apple uh, price, and now you mentioned them, I mean, they are rigid in, in their pricing. Uh, uh, right across, the, you know, you, you can't get, if you go to any shop, you'll, you'll never get a reduction or, a re, uh, you know, if you're buying two, for instance, two iPhones, for, uh, you know, you'll never get a reduction. They are absolutely rigid about that. In, in, uh, so I'm surprised that there's such a differential. Yeah, and there aren't many companies that straddle both uh, both na- nations. Curry's being one, uh, Boots another, M&S maybe, uh, so, so some of the bigger retailers, I suppose Tesco, all, all of those. But uh, Tesco can be quite competitive when it comes to uh, price comparisons. I would say that the, the Tesco here in Ireland would be um, as competitive as it is in the UK. You know, you won't find the foods uh, substantially less than they would be here. Um, it's it's the the, the supermarket uh, pricing is hugely competitive between you know Duns and Super Value and all the other ones, Centra, um, all of those shops. It's very tight. Yeah. Okay. A curry spokesperson has released a statement saying uh, the company sets its prices locally and aims to be as competitive as possible. But many factors need to be considered when setting the price for this market in Ireland. As you mentioned, including yeah. VAT being twenty three percent versus twenty yeah. percent in the UK, yeah. along with the overall increase in business costs post Brexit, particularly in logistics and supply chain operations. Uh, this can often result in Irish customers benefiting from lower prices, not higher prices on the products. And Marks and Spencer as well. Uh, they have Christmas trees at 151 euro, 111 20 pounds. It looks dark, but there are reasons for it. Yes, there are absolutely. And as I said, you know, for the person who fancies going over there, I would say let them. <laughs> and if if they if if it makes the if they're going over anyway, and they can they can save a few bob then on these kind yeah. of uh, products, well, then it, okay. it it makes sense. Let, let's imagine you you don't want to fly, but you want to go up north. What if you live in Dublin and you drive up to Newry? Can you avail of these savings and bring them back over yeah, the border? It would be the same price in the north as it would be over in the UK. Um, so I mean, yeah, absolutely, uh, and and that's one of the I suppose the benefits of those people who are shopping up the north. 
that you have access to a lot of the UK pricing. Um, you know, I suppose even some of their uh, the alcohol in particular might be a little bit cheaper than it is down here. Yeah, I, I think UK airports now, the, the uh, cigarettes and alcohol aren't that cheap. Uh, I know you can bring four litres of uh, spirits from Ireland into the UK, but on the way back, it's only one litre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. as I said, there's all sorts of anomalies. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if, it's, it's like, uh, you know, you go into a, a, an off-license here and you decide to go and buy a bottle of wine, and the bottle of wine is like eight euros, but if you spend another five euros, you can get a bottle of Sancerre or, or uh, you know, a Chateauneuf de Pape, which is a little bit more, uh, you know, palatable. Uh, and so, you know, it is really a question of, of uh, your pocket. Can, what can you afford? Yeah. Okay, and any advice to people in the run-up to Christmas? There's a lot of pressure on to fulfil the present list and fill the fridge and fill the... Uh well, planning is everything. Absolutely planning is everything. I mean, actually, my, my 19th book comes out Friday week, believe it or not, and there's a, a section in that called 100 Ways to Save Cash. But even even aside from that, I mean, it is all about planning. Uh, it's about making sure that, uh, first of all, you've, you've, you've got the money that you are going to spend this Christmas, you know, the various areas, mere presents, trees, uh, food. You'd swear, you know, we're all going to kind of uh, be in, you know, there's going to be no no food or drink available after Christmas Day, and yet the shops are open the next day. Open the so, next day, yeah. You know, you don't need to, to kind of stock up and, and, and buy for the next year. Um, again, it's all about planning of what you can afford, um, and then you've got to decide, where am I getting the money from? Have you already saved it? <clears throat> I, I'm a great believer in these regular saver accounts where you can save 100 a month for up to 12 months. Maybe next January, those listeners who haven't done it this year should do it next year. So 100 a month, next Christmas, you got 1200 that'll get you through Christmas. Yeah, we're not talking essentially about doing a manage here, which was the old way of doing things. You can do all this kind of thing now with a vault on Revolut. You can, oh, there's all sorts of things that you can do. I mean, I, I personally favor the old budget planner spreadsheets so that, because it's really important to know how much does it cost you to run your life on a monthly basis uh, and then the, the surplus is what you plan did you know for instance if you put away the child benefit every month uh, from the time your child is born to the time it stops which is now actually the 18th birthday at the end of the 18th it was the 18th birthday itself but you would have accumulated something like 28,560 uh, euros you're still about 14,000 shy that same child to third level. Okay, but not many people can afford to to put that aside. I I, I know somebody who yep. who realised they were spending eight euros eight fifty a day on a coffee and a sandwich. Not you know not not the uh, the very top end of lunch fare, shall we say? Uh, but by bringing in and making their own coffee, bought a special um, what do they call the you know, flask cup for keeping yep. stuff warm. Yep. Uh, and made their own sandwiches at home, essentially put two grand together for Christmas. That's exactly uh, the way to do it, to be honest, where you've, you've, you've got a, a figure in mind that, you know, you want to save and, and you look at your own um, kind of spending, your own expenditure, and ask yourself those two questions. Number one, do I need it? And number two, is there better for cheaper alternatives? Yeah, and there's an, another element and another name that uh, can really, really curtail reckless spending, and that name is Chris Kringle. 
Yes, very good a suggestion as well. Instead of, you know, buying eight presents, I have like six sisters and one brother. Uh, so you can imagine the amount of exchange of presents in our house at one stage when we were all that little bit younger. Um, it was never suggested that we go Chris Kringle, but I think that was, would have been an excellent idea where you limit the, pri- the, the present to, say, maybe 20 euros and you only buy one. And you don't know who is you. You have a, a draw as to what member of the family or friend you have. So it's a good idea, a really good idea. Yeah, and don't forget, actually, also presents don't necessarily have to be uh, monetary; they can be time. In what way? You can give your time an hour. Maybe you can cut the, your 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 aunt or uncle's grass or your parents' grass, and or maybe you can do somebody wash the car. Uh, give time. Uh, go and spend time with with a, a grand aunt and say, I'm going to spend you know one hour a month uh, for the next year. Or clean clean out the dishwasher ticket, or I, I, I give mommy a, a back rub ticket. That's there. You go. That's it. Uh, all of those kind of things don't require money. Do know, we need they, to reconsider our VAT rates? Twenty three percent too high. Um, it, there's there's various different VAT rates. I mean, the the tourism industry. Um, yeah, you've got your nine and thirteen, haven't you? And a half percent. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. You know, we're trying to attract people to come over here and spend money, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of those tourists, especially the restaurant business, they're having a pretty awful time. And then, you know, accommodation is nearly impossible to get. Uh, I have a friend who brings over thousands of Irish, uh, French people over to Ireland, and it's a nightmare trying to get accommodation. Really? Yeah. Is that because many of the hotels are used now for... Yeah, for housing asylum seekers and refugees. Asylum seekers, yeah. I mean, and and, 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 you know, we Irish are are a very generous nation, and the last thing we'd want to do is turf these people out. But we need to start thinking about other ways. Maybe uh, get uh, B and Bs back again. You know, they they seem to be out of fashion. Airbnb is is also back in fashion, and although it's gone down incredibly over the last year since the height of last Christmas. Yeah, you, as a money doctor, John Lowe, you kind of have a helicopter view and everything that's going on. What is your predictions for next year? Will we see the uh, European Central Bank lowering interest rates with the falling inflation? Um, we've already flagged that, you know, yeah. like in next April, March, April. I mean, we've got inflation down to 2.1%. So there's absolutely no reason why the ECB should not be reducing their rates. And then that will then filter down to the Central Bank here in Ireland. Uh, we, I, I would think that, you know, the hard-pressed mortgage it's older, uh, and even you know the, the kind of ordinary loans, they need help badly. You know, I, I've got clients who are spending, you know, like one client had a short-term um, uh, kind of um, home loan, paying ten grand a month, and it went up to thirteen thousand because wow. of those rates. Ten ten increases in fourteen months does hurt. So that's that's going to come back. It's going to retract a little bit next year, but of course cheaper money will fuel property prices and that's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Um, Well, inflation won't, unless something happens globally, uh, won't raise its ugly head again and and I would think that it it will uh, kind of stabilise a little bit. You'll also have kind of the stock market. I mean, with all the stuff that's going on in the world between, um, you know, the wars in in Ukraine, uh, Israel, uh, Gaza, uh, you you would think that the stock market is is doing pretty badly. But in 1991 to 2020, um, 
the average uh, rate growth was 10.72%. Even this year, with with the Israel-Hamas uh, war and the Ukraine and everything else going on, uh, it's about six, up 6%. So life goes on, unfortunately. Um, and while you know, my heart goes out to all those people who are suffering, no matter what, what kind of area of life they're in, um, but but money continues to uh, thrive and, and, and continue. Finally, any novel saving ideas? I mentioned Revolut, you can put a vault there. Uh, they also have a kind of a save-up-your-change facility whereby they'll round up. If your bill is five seventy-five, they'll put 25 into your vault and uh, and then you know your bill is 6. Well, you know, I don't know whether people get a lot of change every now and again. Certainly, you know, um, when you come back after a hard day's work and you've got a few coins jingling in your pocket, you can take them out and put them in a jar and put all your, your coins in a jar until eventually it's full. Uh, and that's, that's also, even for the kids, is also a way of saving. Yeah. Uh, do piggy banks still exist for kids? I wonder. Yeah, they, they used to have a number of banks who used to give out piggy banks. Also, Bank, who unfortunately has left us, um, they, they were one of the more notable ones. There, there, there are none yet. Maybe if there's a, a kind of financial institution listening to this, maybe they might start a, a new trend. Yeah. All right, it's been great to talk to you once again, John Lowe, the Money Doctor. Uh, give us a quick plug for your new book. Uh, it's called Money Doctors 2024 and as I say it's the 19th edition believe it or not but it's also got uh, a a mini book at the end of it it's a 148 page mini book it's called Teenagers You and Your Money and last September it went out to 60,000 TY students for free ebook and it is going out every uh, September to the TY class so the TY coordinators and principals if they're listening to this uh, they will be getting a code next September if they don't give me a call. Yeah, we spoke about that the last time you were on, actually. A very, very good initiative. John Lowe, Money Doctor, thank, thank you very you much. All. Cheers. Thank you. Good thank happy you. Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy Christmas. And speaking of happy Christmas, Finton reared in Christmas trees. Uh, we'll give away the Christmas trees now during the commercial break. Finton Reardon's tree farm, the most environmentally free, uh, friendly in Cork, with the stats to prove it's sustainable and organic approaches to Christmas trees. And you can pick your own Christmas tree from one of their two locations, Centre Park Road and Currabeg in Ovens and uh, we'll give you a voucher to go along there and collect it, okay? Tree to suit everybody, uh, ranging from two feet to 30 feet. Uh, they're also members of the Irish Christmas Tree Growers Organic Farming Association, Forestry Association, and Carmen Credit Group Ireland. Two Christmas trees to give away. Caller 9 and 10, please, to 086. Uh, you can text as well, 86 106 uh, That's our text line. And uh, if you want calls, is it? You want calls? Okay, so call 0818-104-106. 0818-104-106. We'll take calls and uh, we'll play uh, the uh, other competition, uh, the uh, card game with uh, Michelle Jewellers between now and 12 midday. So keep listening out. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And happy Christmas to all from Finton Reardon Christmas Trees. We have two winners. Helen O'Sullivan is in Blackpool. And Tina Murphy is in Grenan. Vouchers will be going your way to collect your Christmas tree in one or two places, whichever is more convenient. Centre Park Road and Currabeg in Ovens. A tree to suit everyone.
everyone ranging from 2 feet to 30 feet. Uh, Finton Reardon's tree farm is the most environmentally friendly in Cork with the stats to prove it. We'll have two more winners tomorrow but well done to Helen O'Sullivan in Blackpool and Tina Murphy in Granada going along to get their Finton Reardon Christmas tree and no better time to put it up. Should possibly be up by or before the 8th, shouldn't it? Now then, we have online tree Killian McNulty. Good morning to you, Killian. Morning, Nick. Now, you have props, and uh, this is going to hit a nerve with some people because uh, I suppose props really, when they come to the end of their life or when you sell them, like you're going to sell them, become items of nostalgia. So if you have any nostalgic memories around movies like Michael Collins, The Banshees of Inisherin, My Left Foot, In the Name of the Father, or popular television shows like Father Ted, that's going to be a huge one, and Normal People... Uh, then you may need to be aware of an auction that's coming up. Tell us all about it, Killian. Um, we started in the Irish film business uh, renting props. My father did sometime in the early 1980s. Around ni- well, my first memory of a film set was 1981 in Kalala, uh, dropping some furniture to the Year of the French. I was eight years old. And then over the course of the next you know, 10, 15 years, um, I was kind of, summer jobs were getting things ready to go out to films or helping my father drop them off to sets. And then when I was 21, I took over the business. And we went from a collection of antique furniture to more dedicated items. We really started to think about the items that were going in front of the camera, listening to our customers and seeing what it was that they wanted and then starting to kind of collect through that kind of, you know, through those eyes where where it was, yeah, you know, getting getting something that looked good and worked. So you don't rent cars or old bread vans or anything like that, do you? It's just it's at just the, more the, more props. At the, start, at the start, we had everything. We had a bit of everything, and then there was other people who specialised. So we had bicycles, we had horse drawn vehicles, we had other things, and then we we started to get rid of all of those things that we we couldn't do properly. Uh, the issue was if somebody came up to you and you know you really need to have the horses and the driver to do to do yeah. like say a horse drawn bread cart which we had and so we, we just we specialised a little bit more we were quite general but we specialised into furniture and smalls and things that would be seen in, in households or offices or shops Okay, but let, let, let's, get, let's get to the jewels in the crown here because uh, radio you have to kind of paint the picture in your mind's eye but you could be picking up uh, a rifle held by Liam Neeson playing Michael Collins Absolutely. The, the difficult part in all of this is going to be, you know, who held what. Like, so for example, like there's a torch, a very ordinary type of thing. Uh, and again, as far as I remember, Stephen Ray goes into the doc- documents room in Dublin Castle because he's the spy in the castle. That's right. And then he brings Neeson in, and Neeson is kind of reading away in the room using this specific torch. There's, you know, Neeson could be eating his dinner off a plate that's in, in the sale or whatever. There's loads and loads and loads of things that were out all of the time. Uh, but there's a few items that kind of just stand out that you just see kind of a little bit more prominently. Like there's a fight scene in um, My Left Foot where uh, they're all in the pub waking their father and somebody gets smart at the bar and then there's a big uh, melee in the bar. And very prominently on the back wall is a is a uh, whiskey mirror and... Um, the pub has nigh on no dressing, but you can see this quite clearly mm-hmm. as the fight starts. You know, so there's certain things that you can pick out. 
Uh, but in general, like it, it's quite possible that an item here has been in Neeson's hands, has been in Johnny Depp's hands. He filmed in Ireland, has been in um, you know uh, Colin Farrell's hands, Brendan Gleeson's hands, uh, Stephen Ray. You name it. You name the actor, Killian Murphy. Uh, and there's there's a good chance. Uh, you know, I remember a good few years ago, I was going through a notebook, and in it, uh, so when somebody is like a, a a police officer is interviewing somebody, or somebody is interviewing something, and they're they're making notes. Uh, sometimes the actors write funny things. They write little things down, and we get to see them because we have the notebooks. Mm. And Killian Murphy was doing a scene. He must have been doing a scene, and he's scribbling away like little funny things about himself. In yeah. the in the notebook, you know. Yeah, you're, the, the, the phone line's not the best. Could you move slightly for me, if you wouldn't mind, Killian, and see if we can get a better line? What? Why yeah. are these all suddenly coming on the market? Are you changing direction in the business? Are you retiring? What is it? Uh, the business has changed. The business has become a lot more television. And the business is now uh, a, TV, a TV series that takes five years. And generally, you do quite well in year one for hire, and you do very badly year three, four, five. So for us, there's a lot of twiddling the thumbs now uh, while people are very, very busy. So all of the people who can come to you are busy, but you are not busy. Yeah, but I, I would have thought the Irish film industry was taking off with all of the tax incentives on offer. Exactly, but it's mostly TV. So it's it's not uh, it, it, it wasn't working for us and we had a choice we've got a, another very successful business called Minty Tub and we have to make a choice between doing one properly and we yeah. have to let one go so we decided that I've done 29 years of proper and I just thought you know I want to take the I want to do my last like maybe 15 years of work on just this one other vehicle Vintage Hub and that's, that's that was that's what led us to today yeah to, well, uh, the auction kicks off tomorrow okay the auction kicks off tomorrow until the 8th um, where, where can people log on and, uh, and uh, make, make a bid irishcountryhome.com or on to uh, Easy Live Auction uh, Aidan Foley Auctioneers uh, you'll find it if you look up Aidan Foley Auctioneers and um, yeah there's tons and tons and tons of stuff and you know we were we've been in this industry since 1981 there's no one else who could say that like for argument's sake you know Liam Neeson is on a film and Brendan Gleeson is on a film but the one constant is historic interiors. It was on absolutely every single film. You, you guys were in everything. And I, of course, I would imagine uh, that the same props, rifles-wise, etc., that were used in, in a movie like Michael Collins would also be featured in The Wind That Shakes the Barley. They, they were, yeah. So those rifles were made, they were, they were they're rubber, they're molded rubber, and they were made for Collins, for a scene where Collins breaks into an RIC barracks and uh, steals all of the guns. And then those guns would have gone on to uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley. They would have gone on to Rebellion in 2016. And nearly everything done in Ireland was about uh, 1916. And then you've got like 2022, there's stuff being done about uh, 1922. So all of these things uh, have featured in every Irish production of, um, you know, these types of events. I can imagine in gathering the collection, you've been to auctions and antique shops and house clearances and car boot sales. But now it goes the other way. It goes back to the public. Valued at about 400 grand, you say? That's what I'm being told. I have a, a much, much lower expectation. Okay. What, what are the key items? What do you think will make the most? 
I, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I don't know. And I've kind of, you know, disengaged my brain in that regard because there's probably a lot of things that I've spent a lot of money on that'll sell for a lot less money. So it's, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not uh, speculating, so to speak. Well, you, you, you might contact the programme and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine... Uh, you know, Michael Collins, it's not a historic artefact. It is an artefact from a movie about Michael Collins. But um, I would imagine that the highest item, if you have good stuff, will come from Father Ted. Well, the Father Ted thing is difficult insofar as uh, most of what we put on Father Ted was sold to them. Ah. Uh, because it was it was shot in front of a studio audience in London, and so uh, we would do uh, some items for the things that were filmed in Clare, but the majority of the things that we sold to them were the kind of um, more humorous kind of things that were in their uh, house. Yeah, like uh, this you is know, teapots and things like that. Yeah, so I knew, I, I was a huge fan of Dermot Morgan uh, when I was a kid. In fact, Dermot Morgan's autograph is the only autograph I've ever had in my life uh, when he was Father Trendy, and somebody got it for me because I was obsessed with him as a child. And so I knew it was going to be funny, and we had great fun kind of going through the prop house trying to get things for it because you could see like what Dermot might try to do in your mind's eye um, but like I said we had to sell whatever we did uh, because it was going to be uh, shipped over to London OK give, give us the URLs again give us the, the log on areas for tomorrow to the 8th if people want to pick up a nostalgic item that uh, has some provenance and that it would have appeared in uh, some of the big Irish movies or TV shows how, how do they log on again? Uh, irishcountryhome.com uh, or Easy Live Auction, which is where the actual bidding will take place, and then uh, Aiden Foley Auctioneers, uh, okay. via Aiden Foley Auctioneers. Perfect. Thanks a million. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Mick. Killian McNulty, owner of bye-bye. Historic... Thank you, bye-bye. Historic Interiors in uh, Dublin. Just before we take a break, remember, we still have to play our uh, cue to call, Diamonds Are Forever. This is from Michelle the Jewellers. Over 60 years in business in Cork. A family-run business, especially busy at Christmas because of their bespoke jewellery for any occasion. And you can check it all out at michellejewellers.ie. Listen for our cue to call and we'll open our lines on 0868 Not just yet. Two listeners going head-to-head to pick from a random uh, we have a, a card deck which is only 13 cards it's all diamonds we're going to do it live on Facebook so uh, uh, you'll be able to see me shuffling the cards and everything everything will be fair and the listener who draws the highest diamond will win a 200 euro voucher wow that'll go a long way at Michelle the Jewellers so the person who draws the highest diamond wins and the highest being the ace here and the lowest being the two Talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM and a very good morning, 12 minutes to 12. This is Mick Mulcahy, Neil Prendival, off for the week and he's back next Monday. Now, if you're, you're going to be overseas for Christmas or if you've a loved one who's overseas for Christmas, then we want you to get in touch. You can send an email to neil at redfm.ie telling us why we should send you or your loved one a hamper this Christmas and don't forget to include your contact number, OK? We're going to have paddy boxes to give away in the run-up to Christmas and you can ship a box of Irishness around the globe. Choose one of their premium made paddy boxes uh, or make your own box from the range of products then have it delivered anywhere in the world for a lot cheaper than doing it all yourself free express next day delivery to anywhere in Ireland cheapest and easiest way of sending gifts abroad 
Uh, they've delivered to over 180 countries worldwide and have the quickest shipping times out there. And uh, what you get in the paddy box is everything from potato cheese and onion, Barry's tea, Cadbury's dairy milk, purple snacks, chocolate Kimberly's, Jacob's Mikado, Bolan's custard creams, uh, the old school sweets, the refresher, the stinger, the wham bar, the dib dab, macaroon and much more. McDonald's curry sauce and spice bag mix, Ballymaloo relish, uh, the messages, the tote bag, right? I've got the messages. Go down and get the messages. And Tanora, um, which is uh, going down very well up in the big smoke, I'd say, that cork only drink. Going to talk to a couple of Paddy Box callers in a moment. First of all, if you've been listening for this, then listen no more. Right then, let's uh, line up our competition for Michelle Jewellers while we talk to these Paddy Box people. Good morning, Catherine Mulcahy. Hi, how are you? No relation? No. <laughs> no, me. <laughs> I don't think so, anyway. Where are you calling from, Catherine? I'm in Churchfield. Churchfield. I worked up there yeah. for many years in the old aircon building. Oh, did you? Well, there are those who say work is a bit of a stretch. I attended, shall we say. Anyway, tell us about who you want to send a paddy box to. It's to my auntie Joni in uh, London. And how long is she away? She's away uh, 40 odd years. 40? Yeah. Um, you mentioned in your text she's been through a lot this year. Tell us why she deserves she, the belly box. She, she has. She has. Um, her partner there, um, Pat, um, he's been through a lot the last year. Um, he got a stroke. So she's looking after him at the moment. And then she ended up in hospital herself a few months back um, with cancer. So she had to get an operation done herself. And um, while she was looking after himself, she had to go through this herself. But, you know, she's a fighter. So, That's a great um, story. I think she deserves yeah. one, do you? Definitely. You definitely. want to let her know there's one on the way then? I will, of course. Definitely, I will. Okay. There are, there are very... I, I can't guarantee which one she's going to get. It's going to be the mega Christmas box or the night before Christmas box. But there's lots of choices for those who want to purchase them. Uh, the not before your dinner box and you'll never beat the Irish box. So uh, <laughs> they're all full of Irish goodies at paddybox.com. Uh, but we'll make sure that one is winging its way to your relation, Catherine Mulcahy. No relation. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Cheers. Lorraine, good morning to you. Hello. Hi. Who do you want to send a paddy box to? Um, my brother Aidan. He's living over in Vancouver at the moment. Okay. When did he go? Oh, he went over at the beginning of September last year. Okay. So he's away over a year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is he on his own? Is he working? What's the story with him over there? He's over there at the moment now with his girlfriend. They're working away. Um, he, I suppose he's only over there five weeks and he flew all the way home with his girlfriend um, for my wedding. Which was um, a big, a big ask, <laughs> but he done it. And he was only gone a month. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't gone long, and he flew all the way back to him. Okay. But, um, but you miss him I at Christmas he, time. This is the second yeah, Christmas now. Is it? Yeah, I suppose he couldn't get home last year because he flew all the way home for my wedding, and then this year he couldn't make it again. He had um, he had a bad injury. Tell me about the injury. Uh, <laughs> so he was playing a match and I don't know it was obviously a tackle went wrong and whatever move he made anyway he actually ended up ripping his bicep off his shoulder oh terrible and yeah so he had to go for uh, surgery and everything over there just to get the bicep reattached 
Um, and as a result, he was able to work as well for a few weeks. He's back now, back working, back to rugby as well, madly enough. Um, but he's just not going to be able to make it home again this year. Next year, maybe. But this year, we'll try, try and give him a bit of a pick-me-up uh, for you, Lorraine. Uh, we'll get the details and we'll wing one Vancouver's way all the way to Canada. Uh, and uh, which of the products do you think he'd like the most? Obviously, tato cheese and onion is going to come top of any list. Then comes yeah, the Barry's tea, I suppose. But there are exactly. other Irish things that really make it. Ballymaloo relish is a favourite. Um, not for me, but Boland's custard creams seem to be very popular as well. Exactly, and the McDonald's curry, he loves that too. And of course, Tanora. Yeah, of course. Thanks a million. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get one his way, okay? That's great. Thanks so much. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. More Paddy Box calls tomorrow as we continue our Neil Prendival Show giveaways in the run-up to Christmas. Now, I already played this for you. Diamonds are forever. The old Shirley Bassey classic. And we have our two callers. Fiona O'Regan is in Farron on line one. Uh, Good morning to you, Fiona. Hi, how are you? Very good. You're the big 4-0 in February. That's right. So you'd like to treat yourself, would you? Not give it away yep. to a loved one? Oh, no, I wouldn't give it away at all. I'll keep it for myself. <laughs> Proper order. And Anne Egan is in a waterfall. Hiya, Anne. Hi, how are you? I'm good. You've three new daughter-in-laws and one on the way. A daughter-in-law on the way. <laughs> we hope anyway. <laughs> and when it's, is the wedding? Like we, Has he um, asked her yet? We we have one wedding. Oh, has he asked yet? No, no. <laughs> and he'd, he'd kill me to even be talking about it. Okay, so which one are you going to give the, the prize or you're going to keep it yourself like Fiona? No, no, I'd have to share it between them. Okay. I'd let them all... Okay, let let me tell you what's going on here. This is with one of the longest established jewellers and bespoke uh, diamonds and jewellery available in Michelle, the jewellers. You might have heard the old ad. I'm not sure it was a Pat Keane that was doing it. Uh, The quality is right. The service is right. We have the expertise and we're here for you. Do you remember that ad? Remember it well. Okay, Michelle, the jewellers. Over 60 years in business in Cork, a family-run business, michellejewellers.ie if you want any more details. And I'm sure they'll be queuing up to get in there in the run-up to Christmas. So, we have the cards here, and this is uh, being recorded live as well, so I can't cheat. Not that I would anyway, but I'm going to give them a shuffle. Fiona, you were first in. So, uh, we've got 13 cards. Ace will be highest. Number two will okay. be lowest, okay? Uh, and uh, you, all you need to do is give me a number between 1 and 13. I'll count them out. Uh, I'll turn up the number that you gave me, uh, the card, and uh, we'll see what it is. So they're a okay. between 1 and 13, Fiona. So number 9, please. 9, 1, 2, 3. Seven, eight, and number 9 is the Ace of Diamonds. That's an automatic winner. That can't be beaten. Well, I suppose there could be a draw. We're going to have to give you a chance, Anne. (laughs) I'm I'm shuffling now, but you've only got a 1 in 13 chance, Anne, I'm afraid. It looks as though it'd be a miracle if you... Okay, pick a number between 1 and 13. I'll pick 5. 5. 1, 2, 3, 4. It's the 9 of diamonds. So Fiona wins. Yay. Okay. Okay. Happy Very Christmas, Anne Egan and Waterfall. Happy Christmas, Fiona, as well, O'Regan and Farron. You're our Michelle you Jewellers so winner today. €200 Euro voucher on its way to you, and you'll enjoy it in there with the expertise and the family atmosphere in Michelle Jewellers. So well done to you. We'll have another €200 Euro prize tomorrow. Thanks, Fiona. 
Thanks so much. Thank Cheers. you. Bye-bye. Talk to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Busy programme this morning. My thanks as always to the Neil Prendeville Show production team, Kevin Galvin, Seamus Whelan and Claire O'Connor. We'll talk to you bright and early tomorrow morning just after the 9 o'clock news. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.